everybody. Thanks for listening to the USL show sponsored by Roughneck Scarves and brought to you by the Beautiful Game Network of Podcasts. We are very proud to be uh, a part of the Beautiful Game Network and sponsored by Roughneck Scarves. Uh, check out BGN at uh, BGN.FM as well as on Twitter at the BGNFM as well as Roughneck Scarves for all of your MLS, USL, US national team scarf needs. Roughneckscarves.com. I'm Evan Valella, your host, as always, joined sometimes by my soccer colleagues, sometimes by my soccer acquaintances, but they're always my soccer friends. And for the next hour or so, you're actually going to be listening to some pre-taped recordings of interviews covering Nashville SC and uh, and Penn FC. Uh, reason for that is that I, I couldn't get uh, Wes Bowling, who you'll hear from uh, first, and then Chris Bratton, who you will hear from second, on at the same time and, uh, and just kind of things like that. And I still wanted to give you guys two interviews this week. Um, I thought one would be a little short and kind of weird. So uh, no news or anything on my end. I'm sure the Western Conference guys will take care of that on their show coming up later this week. And then as a, uh, a friendly reminder, stay tuned. On the uh, on the 11th, we're going to record a giant power ranking thing. So that's all on, on, on our Twitter. Um, if you haven't done that, the link should be uh, pinned at the top there. Definitely go fill that guy out. All we need to know is, uh, is your rankings on everybody, top to bottom, East Conference, Western Conference, and then your top 10 teams. So... That being said, I'll stop talking. Hope you enjoyed these interviews. I know it's a little bit of a different feel than usual, and you know it's maybe a little bit of a bummer, but it's good stuff. Thanks again to uh, to Wes and Chris for being on, and we will uh, we'll talk to you guys soon. All right, take care. So joining me, the the co-editor of Golden Goal. He also does play by play for for Belmont University, which is a, a little private school down in, in the Nashville area. Uh, it's Wes Bowling. How's it going? Hey, great. Thanks for having me on. Excited that we're just uh, a few days away now from being able to talk about actual soccer games. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, uh, Bethlehem that have their first on Saturday against a, a, a UPS, no, a NPSL team, FC Motown. So I'm definitely, uh, it's preseason season. It this is. Weekend, and so I'm terribly excited. Yeah, here in Nashville, there's been so much talk about MLS expansion. I think a lot of people are just waking up to the fact that there's going to be a team to support now within the yeah. week. They don't have to wait for the MLS. And I think a lot of people are very excited about that. Here. Yeah, I, I was going to say, we get the question a lot on the show, you know, and it's funny because we're not close to those teams, I guess, in a way, but it's always, well, you know, do you think they're going to replicate what FC Cincinnati did or? You know, are they going to try to be more like a Red Bull 2 or whatever? And and you guys are in a weird spot because we already know that you're going to be in MLS. And like this is just kind of a, a trial almost for these guys. Um, and I, I feel like your roster in a way has kind of been built for that. It has been. You know, it's the same ownership group that owns this team that's going to own the MLS squad. And so I think they understand the need to ramp up pretty, pretty quickly that soccer fan base in Nashville. You know, you, you see... 50,000 plus attend a, a Tottenham Hotspur Manchester City friendly at, at the Nissan Stadium. Probably not shocking because those two are, are marquee brands, but they're using that and they're using really pretty significant investment in high quality players. I think to build a winner right away, at least that's what they're hoping they're going to be able to do. Now, there are some obvious differences between Nashville and Cincinnati. You know, Cincy being able to play on a college campus and draw that crowd in right in the heart of the city at Nippert Stadium. I mean, my gosh, I don't know that you're going to see a 40,000 person crowd, even if Nashville <laughs> were to play at Nissan Stadium. Mm. But I think you know, the, the Atlanta United friendly coming up Saturday is sold out. That's the first step. And they're looking, Evan, to set this the record uh, for season ticket sales in an inaugural year with 6,200. They're close to doing that. So I think that interest okay. really here here in Nashville. Right on, right on. Yeah, no, so um I kind of I kind of got a little bit ahead of myself uh in terms of the roster, but let's kind of let's let's talk about the team. Um you know, so obviously your first year in USL, which I like to ask people is is this one. So kind of the uh the the tell us about your last couple of years thing is a little um <laughs> irrelevant. Winless. But uh you know, maybe well, yeah, maybe talk about, you know, you, you guys have a proven coach uh both domestically and abroad and and then you're you're bringing in some some pretty good players, so I don't know where you want to start, but feel free to to pick an angle and, and attack it. Sure. And the overall theme, I think, is experience, both on the sidelines and, and on the pitch. Gary Smith won the 2010 MLS Cup with Colorado, well-known for that. He went to England, coached Stevenage for about a year and a half, actually drew with Spurs in the FA Cup before losing the return match uh, there at White Hart Lane. So he, he's got pedigree, but I think more importantly for this team, he has connections here in the U.S. He also led Atlanta Silverbacks for a while, and he's brought in a lot of players 
that have played for him before, both at Colorado, even in Stevenage, and down in Atlanta. And so I think that veteran presence and that familiarity is probably an advantage as this team assembles an expansion roster. I mean, we were at camp last Thursday, and you know, there's a lot of that that gelling that has to happen. It's going to take a few games. May not be real pretty against Atlanta United this Saturday. <laughs> I think they're leveraging Smith's experience, but also the experience of some of these players. Uh, there are four who have MLS experience. There are a bunch, as I mentioned, who have played for Smith before. I think what you're going to see is a 5-3-2 formation, pretty defense-heavy, and as they gain chemistry, they're going to try to increase the finesse of their attack as the year goes on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and, and you know some other guys that have USL experience too, which I think helps. Um, you know, maybe not so much in the long term. I'm I'm not sure. You know, like if Matt Pickens, which I think is just an age thing, um, is is going to be around for a long time. But I mean, you know, um, Rapapa Mensa is a name that pops out that I completely forgot about until today when you you sent over the notes. He was a. a probably one of the only bright spots on a, on a pretty bad Harrisburg team. Um, you know, and then, uh, Kimura from the Rapids, you have, um, you know, London Woodbury of all people showing up. So it's, it's an interesting mix. Um, you know, Taylor Washington, uh, Liba Maloto. It's, it's a really interesting blend of, of guys that have USL experience. And, you know, it almost feels like you're a, you're a two team in that way and that you're kind of giving guys a, a year to see if they can excel at a USL level and then maybe see what they have at, at the MLS level. And then some guys that have just kind of been in MLS and, and are looking for, for homes and they've popped up here in, in Nashville. That's big. Yeah. I think that if you look at the keeper situation, that in a lot of ways is a good example where you've got a guy in Matt Pickens who has played for Colorado, won an MLS cup there, been in Tampa Bay and been great recently. But then CJ Cochran comes in under him who could be starting for almost anybody in the Mm -hmm. USL. Uh, Gary Smith calls them both first choice keepers. And I think you'll see some good rotation there. Cochran, great with OKC. Won uh, won a big playoff game for them this past year. I think he's probably your keeper of the future, but Pickens mm-hmm. is there to lead him, and you see that at a lot of other positions too. You know, Kosuke Kimura is going to be at right back, but when I was at practice, he was sitting there with Taylor Washington, coaching him up. Kimura's going to be a coach most likely when he retires. That's why he went to Tulsa. Mm-hmm. And so I think having that leadership there from him and a guy like Justin Davis, who played in Minnesota last year, and and he was very open with us when we asked him. He's disappointed with how last yeah. year only featured in a few matches. So he's looking to work his way back up, but can provide that valuable leadership. So uh, those guys you mentioned, I think all over the pitch, you've got leadership, but you've got young talent that you're bringing up. And yeah, you're right. I think some of these players are auditioning for a future MLS role. Now that may be in three years, so it may not even be in Nashville, but they're trying to make their mark. And I think having that leadership around them is a big asset for this team. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, even for, for the, the MLS two teams, like your, you know, your Red Bull, uh, your Bethlehem, you know, Swope Park, uh, that, that perform well, in USL and, and also who, you know, develop players at a really high rate. That's kind of their their key, really, is, you know, obviously they have great coaching staffs and they have a really good academy to build off of. But, you know, more than that, it's the guys on the field that are a little bit older that can kind of give them the the uh, the sense of professionalism and, and help them with travel and, and things like that. Um, so, oh, man, where do we go from here? That being said, um you know, maybe maybe some predictions for 2018. I know you you say that the the club needs about 46 points to make the playoffs, which sounds about right. Um, yeah, we, we did a piece on that. We we kind of dug into the numbers. My colleague Glenn Judah over at Golden Goal did, and he looked at what teams did last year, and, and um, Bethlehem was the template for that. They finished eight. Hey. They, they hit 46. There's an expanded field now, so around 46, but maybe a few more. I think as I look at this team, of course, it's so hard to make a prediction about a brand new roster. Mm-hmm. I would say there may be some some early challenges for the squad, just gelling. But I think the talent is there. The leadership is there to put together a team that's going to compete for top three or four in the Eastern Conference. Um, I predict something around 15, 12, and 7. If I'm just throwing something out, that'd be 55 <laughs> points. Maybe 14, 13, and 7, something in that range. Mm-hmm. I think that, that they're going to be able to take advantage of, of the weaker bottom part of the East but then I think they're going to be able to contend with with guys like Louisville, Tampa Bay, Cincinnati. Um, of note, their schedule is one of the toughest in the league. Um, each Eastern Conference team plays four teams three different times. Nashville gets Louisville, 
Cincinnati, Charlotte, and ATL two, which I think is we all agree going to be pretty loaded with with Atlanta prospects. Yeah, so yeah, it yeah. Really, is going to be how do they do in those games against those those three time opponents? And I think uh, while they may struggle early, I think they're going to have some success down the stretch. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you know, basically a baptism by fire, almost. <laughs> you know, or or one of those. Maybe the rest of the USL went well. If they're leaving us in a couple years anyway, why don't we just throw everything we have at them? Um, you know, but in, in a way, I think that helps because, you know, it's it's nice being able to play, you know, just that many games and, and have a full schedule and, you know, get a get a full season under your belt because there's a lot of guys and, and a couple teams even, you know, now with the uh, the NASL news that might not get to do that. Um, but at the same time, you know, developing players is, is at its best when you're away at Cincinnati or away at Louisville who don't lose there, you know. Um you know, is, is there anybody that you're kind of worried about or, or maybe some of the, the younger guys who you're excited about maybe getting those opportunities or getting more opportunities or better opportunities in Nashville and they got, you know, elsewhere in the league? I think the storyline that I'm following more than anything else is how some of those young guys can can come along quickly. You know, Washington, we, we mentioned a minute ago, a, a you know, proven guy at another spot in the league, but He's he's learning from Justin Davis and Kosuke Kimura. So how how can he up his game to their level? You know, a guy like Woodbury, who somehow was sitting around, as you referred to earlier, yeah. after playing 46 games in New England the past couple of years, you know, his pride probably took a hit that he was sitting around. So so how is he able to to move forward? Incidentally, we talked to him Thursday, and you would think maybe as a former MLS guy, he would come across as too cool for school or too good for this. The contrary, the exact opposite. He said, I consider myself a younger player. I'm learning from these veterans as much as anybody. But the guy I think who really is an X factor and a big um, question mark, I think for me, is Mensa and and largely around him. How can Nashville formulate its attack? Experienced defense, but Mensa's 20. He's done some good things at this level, but he's on loan with an option to buy next year. And so he's going to have an opportunity to prove himself and become a cornerstone player in this franchise. I trust a guy like Lebo Maloto, who started up top for Swope in the USL Cup final at the number 10 role. He's going to give some chances to guys like Minsa and some of his teammates. How are they going to capitalize? That's the big question. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and that'll be interesting. You know, like I said, I, I think Rapapa Mensa, you know, he put on, I, I think he might have won USL Player of the Month at one point, or if not, he was nominated. Um, you know, definitely a guy who has that kind of raw ability or, or skill to go out and, and make plays and score goals and, you know, kind of be that impact player for teams. But I think, you know, the talent that he has around him now is is a lot better, you know, with all respect to, to Penn FC or Harrisburg at the time. Uh, I, I think a lot of the guys around him are a lot better than, you know, the guys that have been around him. So it'll be interesting to see now with kind of a I don't know, more of a toolkit to play with in a way, you know, if, if he can produce at the same level or, you know, maybe if he gets a little bit of, of nerves and some jitters and maybe kind of falls off for a little bit or, you know, like you said, and I think like a lot of teams are just figuring out we're in the first week or two of practices. A lot of it's chemistry right now, even for teams that have existed before, you know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And then maybe uh, some of the rivalries, I know you mentioned a couple of big teams in there that you're playing often and those usually you lend themselves well to, to starting some rivalries and getting some, some chippiness on the field. Um, and I know everyone is going to compare you to, to Cincinnati, of course. Sure. Um, and then maybe a little more realistically Atlanta, but those are your two, uh, your two benchmarks, I guess. I think they are. I think since he's where it starts, uh, certainly and maybe ends with rivalries. Uh, I, I am still learning how much you can learn from Twitter banter because because the <laughs> Cincy fans, Nashville fans, have been getting after each other. Yeah, it's still, uh, you know, since he's saying, "Hey, we sold out a freaking college football stadium, and you guys get the bid before us. You don't even have fans." That's what yeah. they've said, and Nashville yeah. said. Hey, just wait. So I think there's there may be some resentment from Cincy. It could be short-lived by the time the season starts if they sure. get awarded an expansion team. But either way, they're going to probably come in the same year. And so, yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see how those two build. And Cincy's already, of course, built so wonderfully. So that's going to be a rivalry. I would expect Atlanta to be another one, of course, as you mentioned, but more of a cordial rivalry. The mm-hmm. uh, United fans have been very supportive of Nashville. It's kind of this southern hospitality thing, but just like in the south here, we talk a lot behind each other's backs and pretend to be nice to each other. Sure. So I think you know there, there's going to be some, some good rivalry there and two teams trying to beat each other. And then I think as you look at a team to emulate who's just two and a half hours up I-65, look at Louisville. 
Look at the success they've had. Even down similarities down to the fact that both teams play in a baseball stadium mm. for now. I think Nashville has worked closely with Louisville to get this thing ramped up and would like to emulate the success that they've enjoyed. Yeah, uh, definitely. And, you know, it's a we're in a weird spot, I think, as media that cover USL because we're all very cordial and try to help each other out as, as much as we can, I think. But there's still some some banter even between different uh, different media people and markets. And, you know, it's always a little bit fun to kind of rag on the Cincy guys for, for not <laughs> accomplishing a whole lot in the playoffs, uh, even though they've, you know, made a, a big run in, in the U.S. Open Cup and everything like that. Now that being said, um, I just curious. You know, I, I would be, I would be, you know, lamented, and, and probably people would try to have my head if I didn't bring up the old guard teams. Um, you're not around a lot of them, I think. Geographically, maybe Richmond might be the closest, but you Charleston, know, obviously maybe. Charleston as well. Yeah. Um, you know, kind of what are the thoughts in terms of of helping the USL develop into the league that it is now, or, or hopes to be? You know, with Division Three coming as well. Um, and then at the same time, maybe kind of being referential towards those teams that have been there since, you know, 96 or 99 or what have you. I think it's big. I think any progress the league makes needs to include those teams. You know, Charleston finished second a year ago, had a had a great season and I think is looking to do you know some things again, although they may have lost some, some talented players. Uh, of course, Rochester is a, is a very sad story and, and we all hope they get back. You know, a, a good Rochester is good for the league. And so I think there is a lot of respect that, uh, that teams like Nashville need to have. And as the game span expands into Birmingham and Memphis in coming years and their budding traditions there, those rivalries will be fun, uh, but hopefully they raise the game for the whole league. And I think, too, the fact that MLS world is going to be watching a little more closely, not just their second teams, uh, but also people like Nashville and maybe Cincinnati, maybe even still Sacramento, is only going to be good for the league. More eyeballs are going to be on that as uh, – you know, Atlanta fans and Columbus fans for now are going to be looking at nearby teams and saying, how are things progressing there? So mm. I think it's big. It's, it's a great combination of old and new, but hopefully the rising tide lifts all boats. I think you've seen that uh, as the USL expands its profile. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, you know, I, I think especially with, with other teams, I know DC United, I think, is looking at bringing in a two team or, or maybe, you know, um, looking to get more control over over Richmond or, or probably just going to end up bringing in a two team. It's been really interesting to see kind of MLS pay more attention to USL. You know, I think first it was Sean Coley that moved from, from Cincy to New York city. Um, and then, you know, even uh, what a couple days ago, Mark Anthony K who'd been rumored to be going to uh, Los Angeles for like two weeks or something uh, finally had that deal finalized. So definitely uh, agree with you there. And I, I think it's been really interesting and, and honestly, probably for the better, as far as the player pool goes, both in terms of talent and, you know, to be able to find homes for these guys. And, and I think, you know, looking at people like, you know, London Woodbury and Taylor Washington and Lebo Melodo and um, Rapapa Mensa, you know, guys that now get to get to kind of do expansion team things again, or maybe for the first time, but just the fact that they're able to play soccer is, is huge. I'm sure. That being said, um, you know, I guess ideally, um, you know, who are you worried about in terms of, of, of early on in the season or just in the Eastern Conference in general? And then, you know, um, is there any, you know, maybe dark horse chances that, that you guys think there's some upsets to be had and things like that? I'm asking you this in February, which is great because we'll, we'll look at this in like two months and we'll be completely wrong. But Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I I don't uh, I don't put money on sporting events because I would inevitably lose it. I, I think I know enough to be dangerous, and I get it wrong. Having said that, right. you know, I, I think you know, there are four games, sorry, six games that are going to define Nashville's season. And we can talk about about teams like Tampa Bay, who look really good after the addition of some key Rochester talent and Flemings and Graf. We can talk about Charlotte. We can talk about a lot of these these teams. But I think it's those three games against Louisville and the three games against Cincinnati that will ultimately tell the story of Nashville's season. They open the season at Louisville. They close the season hosting Cincinnati. So those two are particularly big to book in the campaign. But if Nashville can win three of those games, maybe draw one or two of them and, and only lose one or two, I think you're looking at a team that we know is going to be able to compete with the rest of the league. Mm -hmm. And I think if they struggle against those stalwarts, number one, it's going to be a hit to their pride a little bit because they want to compete with those cities. But number two, I would say it's a barometer that indicates they might also struggle against a loaded Tampa Bay team or, you know, a, a strong Charlotte squad or Red Bulls too, which always seems to make some noise. So mm -hmm. that's the key. Uh, 
Other teams, I've mentioned Tampa Bay three times now. I think everybody <laughs> believes they're going to be really solid this year. Uh, you know, we'll see if, if somebody like in, in Ottawa or, or Richmond can put things together and do something a little better. I think the one thing I want to make clear, whoever Nashville beats this year, I don't think I would consider it an upset. Maybe a surprise because it's their first year, but this is going to be an experienced, stocked team that I think can compete right away if they can get their chemistry together and I think will compete and ultimately find itself in the top four or five in the East. Uh, and then and then just kind of the last like general league question I have, what are kind of the feelings for either yourself or maybe just kind of the fan base in Nashville um, about the two teams that you guys are going to be playing or even, you know, the MLS one and a half. So your Bethlehem's, your Red Bull twos, your, um, you know, not, a, not Orlando City B, but, you know, kind of those, those, those MLS two or, you know, to use the negative term, the reserve teams where you could have, you know, a week where it's a bunch of teenagers from the academy or you have a week where it's, you know, seven or eight MLS guys coming down and getting minutes. Is, you know, is there any any part of you or, or, or the fan base down there that's a little bit resentful or apprehensive? Or do you think that's kind of a nice way to maybe see how these guys stack up against some MLS, you know, quality talent? I think it's really intriguing. And as, you know, a soccer website that's catering not just to the casual fan, but also to the more diehard you know, at Golden Goal, we're excited because it's going to give us a chance to take a look at some of these guys who very well may be hated players down the road for Nashville fans <laughs> at the MLS level. So, you know, we'll treat it like going to a, a single A or double A baseball mm -hmm. game. Take yep. some good notes on all these guys, knowing that a lot of them aren't going to pan out. But those few that do, you'll be able to say, hey, I watched him play at first Tennessee Park yes. three years ago. And now, yeah. you know, we hate him and we scream chants at him. And you know, I think that's <laughs> going to be a fun element for us to sell to mm -hmm. our audience. Mm -hmm. You know, the the more casual entry-level fans may not care as much about that. But for us, I think it's going to be a chance to take a deep dive into these, uh, these prospect programs. That is the correct answer. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you said, uh, you said single A, double A baseball. I usually always compare it just because of, of the region I'm in and that, well, I mean, and not that there's not minor league baseball around here, but I think if you mentioned the flyers and the phantoms or the, the Hershey bears and the, the Washington capitals to get way off track then people always, you know, kind of go, Oh, well that makes sense. Um, Anyway, Wes, is, is there any kind of hook or something that would like maybe get someone if they're listening to, God forbid the USL show for the first time or, or you yourself for the first time. And they're like, I don't know about this Nashville thing. Like what's the, what's the hook to get them into the, into the venue other than a, a really smart logo. So uh, it's, it's going to be a great game day experience. If you're in Nashville, come check it out. The stadium is located downtown, just a couple blocks from really the heart of downtown Nashville. So you can hit the honky tonks, take a free shuttle over to the game and then go back to the honky tonks. It's going to be, a, a, I think a really vibrant atmosphere I will say, because they're likely going to set a season ticket record for a first-year team, if you're thinking about going, as soon as those single-game tickets open up, go ahead and hop on them. Uh, the Nashville Predators are located downtown. We see tons of fans from Chicago, Detroit, mm. you know, Pittsburgh coming down for the weekend and making a weekend of it. I think we're going to see that trend with Nashville SC as well. So you want to watch some former MLS guys playing for a former MLS coach and then eat some hot chicken and drink some <laughs> Southern beer. Uh, that all is going to be available for Nashville. I will give a, a shameless hook to our blog too. Please. Uh, NashvilleGoldenGold.com. We're going to, we're two retired journalists now doing other things. And this is the way for us to scratch our itch. No, uh, no ads, none of that stuff. We're just having fun digging deep into this team and telling the story of soccer's growth in Nashville. And in doing so, we're going to take a lot of looks around the league too and, and talk about some of the other teams, especially in the East. So love it if you gave us a visit at NashvilleGoldenGold.com. Yeah, definitely. Um, check those guys out i i it's kind of funny because like and I'll, I'll blow most of our cover a lot of us covering the eastern conference or a lot of the guys in the podcast are um people i guess to be really self-deprecating pretending to be journalists with other day jobs uh and you guys are kind of the opposite in that you were journalists that now have other day jobs so um yeah definitely definitely a welcome addition to to the usl Wes, appreciate you being on, on on a weird short notice kind of thing. Glad we could carve some time out. But um, yeah, definitely definitely go check out Nashville. I'm, I'm really excited to see what you guys have to bring to the table besides what Taylor Washington, you know, coming back up. And th that'll be nice to see him again. But uh, yeah, appreciate having you on. Definitely welcome back whenever you want. Uh, I know, you know, time is and stuff. Don't make that super possible at 10 p.m. But regardless, uh, and, and, you know, thanks for, for taking some time and previewing Nashville for us. 
Hey, and you guys follow us on Twitter at Golden Gold Nash, Please. and uh, let us know when you're going to be in town. We'll get you a Yazoo Pale Ale and a little hot chicken. So uh, th- thanks a lot, Evan. Keep up the good work. Hey, thanks, Wes. Well, uh, Chris, welcome okay. to uh, a, a very different episode of the USL show in that this is the second interview I've done today, but there's no actual show today. Um, so, so Chris, welcome. Um, for those who don't know, yeah, you're welcome. Uh, you cover Penn FC for Brotherly Game, so it wasn't very hard for me to find you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, uh, we're we're deep in the preview season, and I think I asked you like a month ago if you wanted to talk about Penn FC, and you went, "Well, let's wait till we have like players." <laughs> and so, so here we are. Um. So really, just kind of give us the background, uh, like you know your first year in the league, and, and then how your last year was, and and uh, it says coach and information, and just kind of an overview of of Penn FC or, or the Harrisburg City Islanders previous. Yeah, well, <clears throat> you know Harrisburg goes back pretty far back of the USL all the way to two thousand four. Uh, I guess they would have been in what was the USL Division Two back then all the way through uh, 2010. Uh, they won the, so they won the division two championship back in 2007 over Richmond and penalty kicks. Uh, and then they were one of the first teams in the, what became USL pro in 2011, uh, you know, and they've been in the USL ever since stuck through the four years of USL pro and kept through when they uh, dropped the pro in 2015 to just become the USL. And the you know, Harrisburg's, you know, the early years were probably the glory years. I didn't get to see much of that, but then they had some real solid years during those USL Pro years. It was, you know, 2011 and 2014. They both they went to the championship both years. Uh, lost 2011 to Orlando City, and then 2014 to Sacramento. But they made the playoffs all four of those seasons, and then so the last three years they've missed the playoffs. Uh, and yeah, but still been fairly close each time. Mm-hmm. Last season there was the last season of the Harrisburg City Islanders. Uh, they wound up finishing, I think it was 11th, like in that real tight window that was just outside of the playoff position is where they ended up. Uh, and it was so that yeah, it was seven points off away from a playoff position, and so it wasn't last year. You know, they struggled a lot. It was a lot of streaks where they were up for a little bit and then down for a long stretch. They, ha- if you look, if you look at last season, there's like just a couple of stretch. Like they, uh, the best they did was a stretch towards the end of the season mm-hmm. where they like won four out of five. Uh, they beat St. Louis twice, Toronto, Ottawa, and a late draw. Uh, gave up a late draw to FC Cincinnati, and that was like their real peak. Everybody was healthy. They were playing a lot of home games, but beyond that, there was there was also a stretch in August where they got hammered pretty much every game. They got destroyed by Cincinnati, Tampa Bay, Pittsburgh, Louisville. It was it was pretty rough. And so then the big news came after the season: the whole rebrand going from Harrisburg City Islanders. Now they're going to go forward with Penn FC and the connection with rush soccer and that's i wish i had i have i have information on that like what we've been getting from the team and stuff mm-hmm. but much of that is still up in the air as far mm-hmm. as like what does that really mean mm-hmm. and so going into the season now it's like i mean yeah those questions are still unanswered the team uh they're kind of old school and I think they still keep a lot of things real uh keep it to themselves they don't want to they there's other teams that have uh, a lot of, they're making big signings and stuff like that. They can mm-hmm. make big announcements and say, you know, look who's going to be playing for us. Harrisburg's, I don't think they're going to be making any real huge signings uh, as far as like real big name recognition. So mm-hmm. I think they've got guys lined up and they're just waiting to uh, put the team together. I feel like they're probably going to have a fair number of trialists too that they're finalizing their decisions on. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Uh, I think they still. The, the changes, just everything they change is going to be like, it's going to be, you know, this team's been around and you feel like you're going to know 
what you're going to get from them, but there's a chance they could just be something completely different this year, which mm -hmm. is kind of exciting. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and it's kind of funny because, like, for, I don't know, the, the reputation that, that Harrisburg had um, as not so much as a team. Like, I think there was, you know, uh, Rapapa Mensa, who I think we're, we'll talk about here in a minute, um, was, was a great player. And actually, I think during that stretch where you guys, you know, got, you know, five games unbeaten, I think he was nominated for USL Player of the, of the Month that month, right? Yep. September. So, he was on there for player of the month. Um, cause it was funny. Cause I was just talking to, uh, Wes Bowling who people have either heard before or after this, depending on how I feel like I want to split your interviews up. But, uh, you know, I was saying that Rapapa Mensa is kind of like a, a, an interesting X factor for Nashville this season now. Um, you know, largely in part because he was a, a big player for a, a, okay, but not, you know, not a playoff team and not a, not a terribly good team. But for the reputation that Harrisburg had as as like a front office or as a communication staff or just you know as as not putting out a lot of information or when they do it's it's wrong or just kind of goofy, um, you know it feels like Penn FC more than an interesting idea in terms of the philosophy, which I, I agree. Like I don't think we're really um, privy to in a way that's like encouraging. Like we don't know. It's it's very up in the air. Um, but I think it's a it's a nice way for them to kind of have a clean slate in terms of reputation and and sort of you know how to run the club. So, um, you know some some on the field things that you have to work out yet. Like you guys still don't have a coach, which is incredibly interesting. Um, <laughs> yeah. But uh, you know, uh, Bill and then and then Bill Betcher, um, you know, moving to a uh, what is a technical advisor role, right? Yep, technical advisor is what. Yeah. To what the, the name is for what he's going to be for the team this year but it's uh it's really i mean it's it's probably the shadow gm right yeah i feel yeah. like he's just gonna be they're gonna have a lot of new people coming in and as much as these could be people these could be people who have experience with soccer but they're not necessarily going to have experience with harrisburg right and right. so it's great to have bill around to be like okay we're gonna do this you can just have bill be like yeah we tried that like 10 years ago and <laughs> not work Right, bother, right. You know, I think he's going to be a lot of that too. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Because I mean, well, with the coaching situation yeah. at the end of the season, like, you know, missing the playoffs three times, it was like most teams, it could be like, is he on the hot seat? Mm. But with Bill, you know, he's every time you listen to one of the games, the guys are saying he's their only, he's the only coach they've ever yeah. had. Yeah, yeah. And so he's done so much for them. But then it was also like, it, it, so it was a coin flip. Do you go to the new transition, uh, but keep your old coach to kind of like keep things level as you try and do this? Or do you, the other side of the coin would be just like, he's at, he's out to all your own guys. And they kind of, I think they, they kept him around to kind of respect how much he's given to the mm. team, give him a position, but then also say, it's going to be different going forward. Probably going to have a different, like coaching philosophy with probably more of these young kids and there's probably somebody else who's going to fit that a little better. Mm -hmm. so that's mm -hmm. so I think that, that, you know, that's what I want with it. trying to, you know, do, but keep both sides going. Sure. Sure. Um, and then, you know, obviously with, with the rush soccer thing too, I, I would imagine they're going to bring in guys or, or even a coach from that. I, I don't know, like organization or Academy or what, whatever you want to call them. Um, but those guys might not necessarily have that professional coaching experience, which I think is another area where Bill is, you know, looking around the the league or even at U.S. soccer in general. I don't think there's there's another guy that could give them as much help as he probably will in terms of transitioning from the the amateur or the academy game to the pro game. Yeah, exactly. Because he's also been <clears throat> throughout the years. Bill's been a great guy at, I mean, he hasn't been the GM the whole time, but he's mm -hmm. been able to find the diamonds in the rough type players where it's like, no one's heard of this guy, but he's actually really good. And so just, you know, get a lot of mileage out of those types of guys, probably building almost entire teams out of those types of guys. Mm -hmm. And so that's the sort of thing like with the rush soccer, you're going to have guys who, you know, now in soccer are going to have, 
hours of tape and all kinds of stuff like that that you can go through. And with the Rush Soccer Connection, you're going to have a bunch of guys who can just phone up and say, like, hey, did you, you, this guy was in your academy. Tell me about him. Mm-hmm. But uh, still have, yeah, having Bill around to kind of scout talent almost. Scout ta- yeah, having him too to scout the talent. Mm-hmm. See, uh, you know, it's only going to help. And it's not like Bill was going to, it's not like the types of players who it's like, you know, like Brandon Miller, who just went back to uh, Charlotte. He's from mm-hmm. Charlotte. It's not like Bill was going to go there. It's not like he was going to go back to St. Louis. He's been in Harrisburg for so long that it's like right, right. home now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so you mentioned Brandon Miller. Um, and then I know, obviously, with an organizational change and, and things like that, it's kind of bound to happen maybe at a higher volume than than usual. But I think really in USL, we saw a lot of guys kind of shuffle around places. Um so obviously, you know, Brandon Miller was a guy that, that left and, and joined Charlotte, obviously. And then um, the other one, you know, Rapapa Mensa to Nashville. Um, any other, you know, players leaving that you think were, were big as far as, you know, maybe not a huge get for the other team, but important ones that left you guys? And then is there anyone that you've brought in so far that you, that you think is really going to perform well? Yeah, it's uh, Harrisburg's thing has always been to not, it's always been frustrating because they only roll over a couple guys from year to year. And then the best guys always seem to get snapped up by another team the next mm. season because Harrisburg will only have them for a one-year contract. And then if they played well enough that someone else had more attention, they could probably get more money elsewhere. Right, right. But so, yeah, so those are the big two. You know, Brandon Miller going to Charlotte, uh, that made a ton of sense for him, you know, because Charlotte needed – a new number one goalkeeper. He's from there. He played soccer there. So can't, can't blame him for doing that. Also uh, a good goalkeeper too. It wasn't yeah. just a location thing. I, I, I think, you know, that was one where a lot of people were surprised. Um, maybe, you know, that he left Harrisburg in general. Um, but then, you know, for, for a guy like that to wind up with, with Charlotte, who's a, a pretty solid team, just needed some defensive and goalkeeper help. You know, it's a, a tidy piece of business for, for them and, you know, a good move for him. Yeah, but, uh, it really helps anchor down that. You know, they lost Cody. He went yep. to Tampa Bay because Matt Pickens went to Nashville. And so it's <laughs> like they're not even going to lose a step by having him in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we lost him. You know, Rapapa was technically on loan last season out yeah. of Inter Allies, the Ghana Premier League. So same thing. Uh, I guess he got the attention. The guys at Nashville were looking for people to fill out the squad and, you know, that way he was playing down there. And there's tons of tape of him playing over in the Ghana Premier League too. That's how they kind of hyped up when he first signed that he's like, he's a great player. His whole thing, he got hot at the end of the season because everybody was healthy. He's a guy who gets in the box and if he can get the ball to his feet, he can kind of work his way around and get a, just put a great shot on goal. Mm. Like he did that a lot. I mean, that was the thing he was best at, but then he also was still able to like, uh, he got a couple couple good headers. I think he just like kind of lobbed one over. You know, he had a lot of he could do. He he also wasn't one dimensional. He had a lot of different skills. But sure, yeah. So he's going to be in Nashville. Uh, I think he just I think he was having visa trouble. He couldn't get out of Ghana for a while. But that's mm. all sorted out. Mm. So he's so he's going to be out there. He could you know the team that's going to have a lot of eyes on him. He could be their uh, number one striker. Yeah, and and that's what I got talking to. Um, Wes was that he's going to be the guy um, as far as not, not so much for, for creating chances, but, but definitely to finish him off. Um, and, you know, they, they have a good group around him. So it'll be interesting, you know, to see what he can do with, with some more weapons or maybe just some guys that'll stay healthy all year um, around him for sure. Yeah. And as far as creating production, uh, we lost uh, Pedro Ribeiro uh, signed with Fresno. Yeah. Uh, he had, you know, he struggled with injury. That's been a problem he's faced his entire career. But when he was healthy, he was the guy, and he didn't have to play as he had to play as a striker for a while. But when he was healthy and he was able to play like as like the attacking mid, he was able to, you know, create a lot of chances. Uh, so he could, to- and that's a veteran presence that we're going to lose a little bit with Pedro there. Uh, similarly, uh, uh, Mo Dabo, Mohamed Dabo, he was more of like the defensive midfielder who when he was held he got hurt uh once last season that's that was a really bad stretch where he couldn't get any production but uh he was great just getting it from the defense over to the offense but he's he's not officially 
like but he's like he showed up on trial uh in pittsburgh mm. actually so that's gonna be another tough he's you know he's a didn't make a lot of production not a lot of numbers but he did he was a big part of the team so uh, not not a guy that's that's officially out the door but for for all intents and purposes we're we're acting like he's not going to be at uh in harrisburg next year yeah if he's trialing out with pittsburgh it's that's what seems likely because i mean that, pittsburgh last i heard they're doing kind of what harrisburg's doing they're trialing a lot of guys mm-hmm, sure and so sure. he showed up on the list is how what we've seen for that yeah and, th- and that's you know another thing and that's where i think lily and and uh and, and betcher are similar and that they'll kind of wait till after the draft and i don't know if bill is is feeling the same way in kind of his new role um i would imagine he is but you know you wait till after the mls draft and then you know, maybe guys that don't have a club yet or guys that didn't get picked up, you bring them in, trial them, and then, you know, see how you feel and, and go from there. And and to, you know, to both those guys' credits, uh, they, they had success with, with doing that. So, I you know, I would imagine that's going to be a, a similar theme for Rush and, uh, and Penn FC, but, you know, who knows? Um, is that your worst-case scenario, by the way? Is Mo Dabo playing for the Riverhounds next year? <laughs> I mean, yeah, that'd be a bummer. But that seems <laughs> to always happen. Mm couple guys always go from Harrisburg to Pittsburgh. Like yeah. every season you get used to it. I mean, last year was Kiesel. Uh, he's a broom. Yeah. Went from Harrisburg to Pittsburgh. And I feel like there's, uh, if you if you go back through history, that happens a lot. Not yeah. as many moving the other way for whatever reason. <laughs> sure. And I think it's, I think it's a money. Oh, I would imagine, right? I, you would think. I think Harrisburg's payroll uh, is probably the lowest in the league. It wouldn't shock me. Maybe, and it depends because I mean, if you don't count the two teams, because those are different. Two teams. Those are different contracts, even I'd imagine. Um, or you know, it, it, yeah, a lot of a lot of kind of uh, things that 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 would depend on in terms of you know maybe there's some some living wages and things like that. But uh, yeah, and then yeah, so yeah, so you, those are some of the main guys, and then on top of that, the round out the ones we know about. Uh, Sean McClaws went to Oklahoma City Energy. That's another guy going home. And uh, two Jamaican guys from last year, Cardell Benbow and Paul Wilson, uh, are both playing back in the Jamaican hmm. Premier League. So we won't – I mean, they, those guys play great, uh, but we won't be seeing them back is my understanding. Because, hmm. uh, I mean – and that's – the team hasn't done a press release, but, I mean, they're on Instagram that they're <laughs> playing in Jamaica and announcing that they're playing. Yeah, yeah. You, you, you see the geotag on as Kingston, and you go, all right. Yeah, yeah. It's like Waterhouse <laughs> FC and Cavalier FC. Uh, mm. That's where they're playing. So it doesn't It doesn't seem like – Cardell Bembo went on loan for a little bit last season before the season because they started already. Right. But I, it's my understanding that this seems to be like that's – they have signed that they've transferred now back to Jamaica. Hmm. That's not one you see often either. These guys going back to specifically Jamaica, you know, from the the United States. Um, maybe that's just one of those that we don't hear about a whole lot when it happens, or you know, maybe there's not enough Jamaicans for that to happen, or the guys that we do get from Jamaica end up, you know, doing well or or whatever. But that is uh, that's interesting, and that's that's you know, yeah. a lot of those guys, you know, McLaws like Benbow. I always thought was really solid. You know, like. It's one of those things where that's got to be re- like I feel bad for you. Um, in yeah. in terms of just you know losing those guys, it's tough guys to lose, but I think it's gonna play into what they're trying to do going forward. Because I hmm. do also think, um, in addition to like not having a lot of money, uh, making do with who you can get, and, you know, building a good solid team with kind of like what might look to others like you know like the what might look like leftovers, like the guys mm. who get cut at the end, like get drafted in the fourth round, but get cut, say, Hey, you can come play for uh Harrisburg, come play for Penn FC, you know, putting a team together like that. But then, yeah, sometimes they might go, they pull, it seemed common that we pull guys from uh, Jamaica or even Rizky's from Barbados. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, Barbados, I believe. Some couple, uh, there was a guy from the Bahamas a few years ago that, and, and but then like, yeah, it's just like year two, and then they're back, mm-hmm. they're back where they came from. That's, I, I think I've seen that before. Oh, uh, Harrisburg, Craig Foster, he mm. went back to Jamaica after playing in Harrisburg for a few years. Sure. Um, 
I know there's things in the works, but do, have you guys, have we signed anybody yet? Do we think they're going to be, you know, big, uh, big players in the team? Or is it really more of a, you know, wait and see what the, the kind of system shapes out to be with Rush Soccer and then kind of make judgments from there? Yeah, the official signings is they have four. They brought back four guys from last year. Uh, there's goalkeeper Sean Lewis. Uh, defender Tiago Calvano, and then two guys who I guess are both classes midfielders. There's uh, Jake Bond and John Grosh. And so those, so of the roster from last year, which I guess would have been like, I don't know, forget the official number. It was like, you know, like 25 guys. Mm-hmm. It really seems like those are the only four that are officially coming back. And so that's, and those aren't, uh, I mean, Sean Lewis, I think could be the starting goalkeeper he did a good job he has a different style than brandon miller he's a little little rangier i don't know if it is that uh, i don't know if he's a guy you would call a sweeper keeper he's not quite like that but the way he plays just he's played a different style that but i think he could work you know he played jacksonville armada a couple years ago he's, mm. he's got what it takes to be he could start uh tiago calvano you know he's a vet uh he's like 35 you know he played for minnesota in the nasl before he came to us he's he'll definitely be a good uh he'll probably be the captain a good defensive presence to good have as a center back uh but then the other two guys you know they played well but they were just they're more depth guys Mm -hmm. like jake bond and grush both got pulled in a lot last year but that's because there was a there was periods where there's like five six guys injured and so they kind of played and they played out of position a lot of the time that was pretty common last season uh and so that this this we don't have like the one guy yet who's like oh this is gonna be the breakout guy for this season so i mean what i've been asking what you know the fans i've been talking to is like so what's where are we gonna get guys from mm-hmm. and like we have some leads it seems like so they're gonna there's another 20 guys or so they're gonna sign before the season starts uh, the most exciting thing is that they'll probably, like last year, get about three guys or so on loan from Ghana. Mm. You know, from inner allies. The connection there is that George Altiers, the Capelli sports guy who owns you know, the majority of Harrisburg, also owns inner allies. And so the Ghana Premier League is very much like the league. It's like a lot of young guys. And if you yep. get good, you get sold somewhere else like a lot of guys go from ghana to like sweden or norway Mm -hmm. or turkey Mm -hmm. you see a lot of that and so it'll probably be like three guys maybe 18 19 20 who are just skilled guys who is just like it'd be best for inner allies to sell them have them play over here for a year get more attention get more video of them uh you know, get more eyes on them, and then that's they're more valuable to inner allies than if they want to move, you know, ship them somewhere. Mm-hmm. So I think that's that. You know, that's a real wild. Card. That's the real wild card for this season is who are those guys and what can they do? Because last year that was Ropapa, mm-hmm. and then we had mm-hmm. a, a boss Mohammed was our left back, and then uh, Freddie Apoku. He didn't get a chance to play as much. Like he. There was other guys ahead of him on the depth chart, but when he played, he had uh, he really shows like a couple times like some some nice skills. There was the one long uh, we had a goal against St. Louis where it was just like this nice string of passes to slip just slip it past the keeper, and then Jake Bond just tapped it in. But Freddie did some great moves on that one. That was probably his biggest highlight of the year. So if he comes back, that'd be it'd be it'd replace some of these like speedy guys from Jamaica who we'd lose. We have these guys to kind of come in and you know don't know who they are but i expect that there's going to be a few of those to uh make an impact in harris uh, in harrisburg (laughs) sure Uh, and then i what the impression i've got from like rumors and stuff we've seen online there's probably going to be some nasl guys making their way Mm. because guys who had been on teams that probably even to this very day or when they, even when this is airing don't really know what their future is. So to mm-hmm. have NFC be like, Hey, here's a chance to play this season. It's like, yeah. well, that's more than I had before. Right. So, you know, you got guys from the teams that dissolve like FC Edmonton or uh, Puerto Rico FC, 
uh, might see some guys from there. Or even, I think a lot of the last roster from uh, Orlando City B is still like up in the air. So yeah, I, I haven't seen too many of those guys land. Um, and, you know, maybe part of that is that, you know, the, the Young Lions used a fair amount of MLS guys even. Yeah. Uh, they, so, you know, maybe they just kind of got absorbed by the first team again or, or what have you. Um, yeah, but, yeah, no, that's a, that's a good point. Of- Signed directly to OCB guys. Yeah, yeah. I feel like other of the two teams or the B teams had more of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there's like some of that, and then uh, we've seen rumors of like uh, like PDL guys who like I there was an article someone found like in New Mexico of like a guy who did an interview saying that he had a had a tryout. Now he might have just gone to the pro tryout at the end of mm-hmm. last season. That right. wasn't entirely clear, but I feel like that's probably PDL guys with some rush uh, experience, maybe coming from a rush soccer academy. Yeah. I feel like some of those are going to show up. Same sort of age range as the other guys. They might be, you know, around their early 20s. Uh, that for them to be like, it might be a coaching system that they know or more familiar with. They might be able to get started and be able to get to get playing right away. Yeah. And I feel like that combined is going to get to the roster as opposed to like the typical, you know, Harrisburg city Islanders roster of the last few years would be uh, a couple of the veterans that have been on city Island for a long time, localish guys. Then you'd have a couple like, I don't want to say MLS reject cause it sounds mean, but like guys who are like, ha- got like six games in the MLS and mm-hmm. in, in, yeah, in MLS and then wound up down in USL. You have a few of those, and then like, yeah, young guys who missed on the on the on the draft, or who were drafting the lower rounds and didn't get signed. You just kind of cobbled that together to make a to make a team, and I feel like they're gonna be like that, but go a little younger. Fewer mm-hmm. of the guys who've just been kicking around professional soccer for a long time, looking to find a place to play for the year. More young guys who you know aren't going to be spending the next twelve years playing for Penn FC, but who you could. Definitely Ty Smith saying like, hey, get a couple years here. Uh and who knows from there kind of thing. And then yeah. you know, maybe see see where that takes you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, definitely you know, and it's one of those things where I, I feel like by and large, Harrisburg, you know, in, in the years past has aged or has, has been a little older. Um and you know, and, and just the fact that there seems to be a good system in place or at least an intriguing one or one that they have a pretty, um, you know, like clear cut plan. Um, and then not only that, but you know, it's a younger team and that's always a little bit more, I don't know, like entertaining the watch and, and sort of interesting to see where those guys will end up. Um, yeah. and then, you know, speaking of years past, you guys are in two different derbies, uh, and actually <laughs> they share a team, which is interesting. Uh, but the, uh, the old guard shield, which is like one of my favorite tournaments or, or uh, kind of in-league rivalries in, in U.S. soccer. Uh, and then the Keystone Cup, which, you know, doesn't have all of the teams in the Keystone State in it. But um, How did I know you were going to mention that? Well, you're here. And, uh, you know, I, I've been told multiple times that it's a, it's a Harrisburg slash Penn FC decision. Oh, really? Yeah, I the Hounds guys. Yeah. The lottery decided that. I guess, but like, wouldn't... You know, well, I guess that is in Harrisburg, someone, isn't it? Yeah, wouldn't someone just go, "Hey, by the way, there's a third team." Can you? I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, yeah. So, so talk a little bit about the uh, and and we'll have uh, we'll have Charleston and and Richmond represented soon. Um, but you know, maybe talk about that from a Harrisburg perspective, and then the 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 derby you guys have going with the Riverhounds as well. Sure. Uh, yeah, the old guard shield was. We're trying to get that, or it seems like we we the Harrisburg people want to get that out there more because i think uh even the players are kind of like what's this <laughs> trophy maybe the, the guys that haven't been around in usl for a little bit or the the new ghanaian guys and you're like well no, so no one ever actually teams. sat there and said i mean you know the old guard shield had the twitter account and everything but no one ever right, actually right, right. got the players and said like hey when you're playing richmond or charleston or rochester uh yep. you know taking a break uh, or pittsburgh there's this trophy that's up for grabs. No, I don't think anyone <laughs> actually sat him down and told him that. Mm-hmm. But I mean, that's yeah, maybe that's for the bit gives it a more authentic feel. Maybe. But uh, so yeah, so those are all the teams that were playing 
back through the USL two. I think Harrisburg is the newest team of those five. Yeah, because the Hounds came in in '99, so I think, and then obviously Richmond and Charleston and Rochester were all there from like '96 or whatever. So they're technically the young ones. Uh, yeah, and it's just so yeah. So going back against all those teams, you know, Harrisburg and Richmond had that championship clash back in 2007. It's just there's for the fans who are like the few fans who have been like the there the whole time type. Mm-hmm. I know like Richmond definitely has some like that and Rochester to all. And they, that the, the, these teams have been playing. Yeah. For just so long back when professional soccer in uh, the United States was still just very like changing all the time. Mm-hmm. And so that's what makes these games tough, especially now. The, it, I think the, the shield was a good way to really focus back on these teams at a time where, you know, new teams are coming in at a crazy pace. Right. When you consider back in like 2011, the first season, that crazy first season, there's only like 11 teams because the three teams from Puerto Rico, like were so bad that they had to leave or yeah. something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, these guys toughed it out and that's just, yeah, it gives a little recognition of that. Kind yeah. Of it's, it's, it's in recent years, let's, you know, the games against Rochester are always tough. Harrisburg, I, I think Harrisburg didn't beat Rochester for an extended period of time. Uh, Richmond, I think, you know, Penn, Richmond, Harrisburg was playing Richmond like three or four times a season. And that one was pretty more even. Although, you know, mm-hmm. Richmond, Richmond had strong seasons. And then like last season, Richmond was, I mean, Richmond wasn't great last season, but they played Harrisburg tough. I think right, each, right. Yeah, each side got a win and then one draw. So, that's another one where, like, even when, like, one team's up, one team's down when you play. You yeah. Know, it's, you never tell. It's a, a rivalry like that. And then with Charleston, it's, I think I looked it up because uh, Harrisburg almost, Harrisburg got up on Charleston and then gave up the lead at home last year. Yeah. Uh, like, I looked at Harrisburg hasn't beaten Charleston since, like, 2014. Oof. Getting sad. I mean, they've had a couple draws, but it's one of those, I mean, it's going to be, that one's going to be interesting this year because of the way Charleston got carved up so bad. Yeah, for sure. They, a lot of people got plucked out of there. And uh, Harrisburg's playing Charleston, uh, I want to say both in March and April, mm-hmm. like right away. So that one will be interesting to see. But it's just, yeah, it's good to recognize these old teams mm-hmm. and uh, give them a little something, something extra to play for when you have all these new teams yeah. coming in. Yeah. And, you know, definitely a way for, like you said, like the league is, is so rapidly expanding, like even from when this, this sounds terrible, but like, even from when I came in in 2015 with Bethlehem, you know, and, and it was like, all right, you know, this is, this is neat. It's a division three. It's, it's kind of niche. There's, you know, 500 people at a game or whatever. And now you go and you look at, you know, Sacramento has always been huge, obviously, but then you have your FC Cincinnati comes in and that goes better than anyone could have predicted or, or, you know, in a in good conscience made a, a bet on you know and and you have uh nashville's coming in and they're already going to be an mls or whatever the hell that is so yeah um it's definitely nice to see you know not only these teams from way back in the day come in but you know for them to and and, and um for people that don't know that's all supporters group they just kind of came up with that and went we're going to do this which is awesome right. Yeah, um, and I know are officially behind it. Yeah, yeah, and I know the guys who head up the um, and I'm gonna forget the names now. Damn, but the uh, the Richmond supporters group and the Charleston supporters group are guys like you said who've been there since the the 1990s. So, uh, you know, it's funny it's talking to guys. Regiment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There we go. Thank you. Yep. Uh, it's funny talking to guys who've been following soccer for almost as long as like I've been alive um you know in that capacity um so it's really cool you know just as a, as a nice way to to kind of be reverent towards your elders so to speak um so yeah that one's definitely interesting and then uh the the keystone cup you guys and, and the river hounds um that one's i don't know does usl have they already done a like uh, key rivalries like list for this season 
Uh, I haven't I seen anything. Like, uh, games to watch, I think. But I mean, no yeah. one needs to be on there. The Harrisburg-Pittsburgh rivalry has been... It's, it's not the best soccer I've ever seen. I apologize. It's not the best soccer I've ever seen, but it's one of those games where you just kind of have to watch it just because yeah, of... you're starting to get into like some of the... You know, because Pittsburgh didn't have a Cincinnati team, like, you know, the whole NFL connection where... Right, right. Got Pittsburgh versus Cincinnati. Well... There was like a Cincinnati team in like 2007, I want to say like the Cincinnati Kings or something like Mm -hmm. that. But, uh, you know, in that in-between time, it was like, yeah, it was Harrisburg, Pittsburgh. And they, when they first started up and made the trophy, the Keystone Derby, that was probably the craziest year, 2015. Uh, I mean, that was Pittsburgh's best year in recent memory uh, easily. And so there was the two wild games, you know, the, the one that Pittsburgh, yeah, the one, what was it? it was like Harrisburg was up 5-3 and Pittsburgh ended up winning like entirely in extra time. Yeah, I'm sure tomorrow when I, after I give this to him, Michael posts something about whatever they call that game, uh, the Miracle uh, of the Mon or whatever the hell. On. Yeah, 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 yeah. So they, yeah, they had that one. And then the next one I was at was only the second Harrisburg game I ever been to. It was... Pittsburgh was up 3-1. Jose Barril comes on mm. and did his thing, That's which is he gets two yellow cards in two minutes <laughs> and gets sent off right away. Yeah. So he's so it's 70 minutes, you're down 3-1. And Harrisburg, uh, with 10 men, manages to score three goals in 20 minutes and goes on to win 4-3. And mm. it was just the only other game I'd been to at that point was a nil-nil draw against Toronto FC2. Ooh, good. So to have that happen was like what is going on? Yeah, the notoriously great Toronto FC too. Yeah, back at the old Skyline Sports Complex, okay. which, I mean, it, it's not super impressive. Yeah, not a, not heralded for being a wonderful soccer venue, by all no. means. And it, so that was craziness. And, you know, they won that year. Uh, and then 2016, neither team was doing all that great. Harrisburg won with, a, I think it was a win and two draws. Yep. Uh, and then last year, same thing, where it's like two very evenly matched teams, but it was Pitt, you know, Pittsburgh wanted it, and they got, it, they came to City Island with, you know, a win, a win would do it, a win or a draw, mm-hmm. and they ended up winning three nothing. Oh, that was, that that was rough to watch. Mm-hmm. Pitt, you know, Harrisburg's thing last year is so if they went down by two, it was like, nah, they're they're not coming back. <laughs> and so yeah, I feel like this last this last stretch has helped. It used to be a thing where, like, when it was a smaller league, that I think they could. I mean, they were playing as many as like four times a year, right? Or just like, like, ah, these guys again. But now this, like, now they're not going to see each other as much. Having this extra thing is as kind of, kind of keeps it going, you know, for a couple of the smaller teams. Although it's, it's one of those yeah. ones where, like, this is something I didn't realize until I went back and double checked. Because Pittsburgh, to see Pittsburgh, like, they always last season they had our number you know, beat us twice and then a nil-nil draw that they probably could have won. You know, one shot goes a different way and they win that one too. But then at the end of the year, Harris, uh, Pittsburgh was lower on the table. I didn't realize. Yeah. It's, it's just like I, they, they were beating Harrisburg, but they weren't really beating much anybody else. Yeah. And that's been yeah. kind of their thing is that they, uh, since it became the USL Pro, I think Harrisburg finished, Pittsburgh finished ahead of Harrisburg on the table only once in the last seven years is like, it's always, so that was 2015. Other than that, Harrisburg was higher than them on the table, especially in the mm. USL pro years. In the USL pro years, it was the opposite that Harrisburg had Pittsburgh's number. And so now it's more Pittsburgh's had the advantage the last three years. So that's, yeah. So that, I feel like it's uh, at times a little too heated mm. uh, on both. You know, you can get the sort of soccer thing where it's like, okay, you know, there's kids here. Let's <laughs> let's remember to be civil. But that it's that's that makes it fun in some ways yeah. that you can have this matchup that is, you know, easily travelable by car. That uh, that you can just zip back and forth and really get to, you know, really have a team that you can you know sure. you really want to see your team beat. And they always sure. put on they always put on good matches. That's what's the best sure. part about it. They're at least interesting, right? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, uh, Chris, where can people find you on, on the internet? And if you, anything else you want to plug, feel free. It's, uh, well, I mean, I do my writing on a brotherly game, uh, with some great people. 
Thank you. Check out all you can check out all their work, of course. Uh, I like and, that you're uh, indirectly on, on complimenting me, but but still complimenting me at the same time. I'm a little conflicted. No, I mean, because like <laughs> you and also like Eugene and Matt and everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever. Yeah. The MLS guys. And, uh, <laughs> but uh, so yeah, so I'm at uh, C underscore Brat. Uh, it's mostly it's. I mean, it's mostly the articles and then occasional observations. Yeah, uh, occasional I mean, victory pies. Yeah, so if you want to, uh, follow, so follow me there for uh, you know keeping up on Penafsi as they keep uh, letting out more information as they uh, have more as they go into the preseason here. The preseason started today, but the uh, the pictures of the players are too small for us to identify. Them, so <laughs> we were trying, hmm. <laughs> uh, but I mean the preseason games start uh, just a week or two. You yeah. got a good. They're gonna be playing. You're gonna be playing Bethlehem, Pittsburgh, yeah. and uh, I think uh, Red Bulls too, mm. as well. Yeah, it's always a tricky one to yeah, try to say. You know, Red Bull two also or whatever. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, Chris, appreciate it. Um, I I know you're really like the only person that's doing consistent work out there for Penn FC, and you've been doing it. Um, so. You know my my uh, my affiliation with you through brotherly game aside, there was no one else that I thought of to to cover Penn FC, and so I'm glad you did. Thanks for being on. Yeah, and uh, you know, definitely feel free to to give us a shout whenever, and we'll uh, we'll have you back. There's a sticker coming your way. I'll just need your address, and I can send that off to you. Oh, yeah. uh, other than that, um, guys, I guess I'll throw this here now. Thanks to everyone for watching the USL show. You can follow that at the USL show. Um, we also have a, uh, a Patreon in case I forget to say that in the intro, it's just, you know, patreon.com backslash the USL show. Um, we are also, uh, sponsored by the lovely, um, soccer loco, which if you need anything as far as cleats or shirts or, um, shorts or equipment, anything soccer related, go check those guys out. There's a link on our homepage the usl show.com click on that and we'll get a cut of uh, of whatever you buy there definitely feel free to check them out and then i'm not sure if i'm supposed to say that this is brought to you by roughneck scarves before everything or after everything so worst case scenario i'm gonna do it twice um this one just popped up like last week i think the first we announced it so this is the first time i get to say it but uh this has been brought to you by uh roughneck scarves which if you own a scarf chances are if it's soccer related, I guess that it's from roughneck. Uh, so definitely go check those guys out. Um, roughneck scarves for all of your scarf related needs. Um, so yeah. And then, uh, and then, Oh, I guess myself personally, if, uh, if for whatever reason you want to hear more of me or, or read more of what I do on the Twitters at Valella Vias and Victor, I L L E L L A B S F C. I also do, uh, do righty things on brotherly game with Chris. So, um, had to get those plugs in there appreciate it and we'll uh we'll catch you guys uh this weekend actually we're filming a special power ranking show so be on the lookout for that one but the uh, the western conference guys will take care of you later this week and then we'll be uh business as usual shortly when the season starts so looking forward to that chris thanks again for being on and uh, i'm sure i'll talk to you soon yep thank you Thanks to our sponsor, Roughneck Scarves, official scarf supplier of MLS, USL, and US Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. 